Welcome to the Starting Strength Channel. This is podcast number seven, and uh, this is the, I guess this is the second time I've had somebody else on the recording with me. I'm here with Tom Campitelli. Tom is one of our primary staff people. He works every uh, seminar that I can manage to get him to, and uh, you're permanent base is in uh, Oakland, California. In the Bay Area, right? So he's uh, Tom is our guy on the West Coast and if you need some help with anything Tom is the guy to call and uh, works out of a couple of different clubs out there. Find him on our website. We are asking Tom today to uh, talk to us about the process by which he has gone from uh, a rather inexperienced crossfitter, a little skinny guy, to a uh, fairly useful, large, <laughs> competent, much more competent than normal starting strength coach. And uh, we've just, uh, we've been talking about some stuff tonight. And we're, we're, we're in town this weekend for the uh, Starting Strength Coaches Association convention. Tom is the director of this event and uh, he's kind of put the thing together for us and while I've got him here, I just thought we'd sit and talk a minute about what it takes to become a coach. Uh, we we see on the internet a lot of people who are coaches, <laughs> and um, you know I think that uh, the internet's a fascinating place. Indeed, it is, and uh, there are a lot of people on the internet with very little experience, but who type faster than we do. And as a result, they've built a reputation for themselves one way or another, and they acquire the reputation as coaches. Uh, This isn't always warranted. Uh, And I can personally attest to the fact that Tom, in about four years, has become one of the better coaches of barbell training in the United States. And that's not always possible. And it's it's it in fact it very seldom happens. And what I'd like to talk to Tom about today is how he did that. I mean Tom, what's your background? I studied at the Penn State Karate Club. Uh, I became a black belt in the Penn State Karate Club and part of doing that uh, back when I was in college was actually teaching. So Long before I ever really lifted weights, I had experience directing large groups and teaching people movement. So the, the, the teaching part you were doing quite some time ago. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Tom's also a geologist. He's a fellow geologist. Correct. He and I are geologists. Mm-hmm. We're, uh, I don't know what that qualifies us to do, but you're a hydrologist and I'm a petroleum guy. But uh, how do you think that? I mean, that's, you know, we see this all the time. Ripto's just a geologist. What the hell does he know about any of this? How does a hard science background help? It's immensely useful. And also, uh, geology is kind of interesting because it's uh, a synthesis of several sciences. I have always said it is the most general of the physical sciences. Yeah. We have to have everybody's shit. We have to have... Not just geology, but we had physics, chemistry. Correct. All through Calc 2, we've had, you know, we had a minor in, you know, the interdisciplinary minor, and we had uh, uh, 
a lot of exposure to a lot of different types of sciences. So the, the hard science background we have in common, but uh, and I've always found it to be helpful, but just in terms of being able to analyze things. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's been useful to me. Uh, so after karate, what did you do? I was a distance runner. Um, and I was skinny and weak. And my knees began to hurt, so I went to a physical therapist, and that was a very useful uh, experience. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Yeah. And you know, I was I was diagnosed with uh, an underdeveloped VMO. VMO, man. Yeah. VMO. Yep. Patellar it's tracking the, it's issues. It's the patellar tracking disorder. It's VMO, yep. man. And VMO. Uh, the one thing it's... the one thing the physical therapist did look at me and say was, "You need more muscle." You need to get stronger. Well, and he was right about that, wasn't he? And they obviously were very unsuccessful in dealing with that. I, I didn't get any stronger with them. My knee pain didn't go away, so I just gave up. But that did start me looking for how to get stronger. Uh, and I was searching on the Internet for how to squat. Because I knew, I knew that squatting was hard, therefore it should probably be good. That's a, that's a correct instinct. It really is. What is... Uh, you're 6'5"? I am 6'2". Six 6'2". Two. Six two. And I uh, guess I'm just so damn short that I <laughs> thought you were taller than that. How much did you weigh at the time? I I weighed uh, anywhere between 160 and 180. But most... Yeah. yeah Insect. Was, okay. I walked around at about 180 a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, oh, it... 6'2", 180. A lot I, of people would be envious of that, you know. I wish someone would have told me I looked like that because I see pictures of myself and it's horrifying. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, not it's not a good look. No, no, no. Not really in retrospect. I'm sure it's not. Uh, what are you weighing now? Uh, I'm I haven't gotten on a scale recently, but I'm probably two twenty five or two thirty right yeah. now. That's much more much more useful as a as a as a body weight for a guy your height. And honestly, I I need to I need to be bigger. Uh, I mean, at six two at two thirty, I still don't look huge. And Six, my, you could carry two seventy five. Easily. All right, we're straying away yes. from our, our getting, you know, it's bar talk. We get this problem all the time. We just start wandering around. We're supposed to be talking about how to be a coach. Yes. So what happened? Uh, I went on the internet looking for how to squat, uh, and I came across a guy named Mark Ripito, and I picked up uh, the first version of Starting Strength off of Amazon and started mm-hmm. to read it. And then I... Uh, when was this? Two oh two thousand eight? No, this was probably this is probably two thousand and six. Uh, First edition was uh, released in oh five, and went out of print in oh seven. Yeah, 07. I got seven. I think I, I think it was it was either late two thousand five or early two thousand six. I mm-hmm. came across your book, mm-hmm. um, and. I, I read the part about squatting deeply, and uh, I didn't really believe it. In fact, there, uh, there was a line in there that, uh, you know, something about squatting deeply isn't bad for the knees, but apparently it's bad for the soul or something like that. <laughs> uh, it was, unfortunately, that... that uh, what the hell I meant by that? Oh, and it was actually I, a great line. In fact, it disappeared in the second edition. It, uh, it should have stayed in. I haven't even looked at that first edition in six years it's horrifying when you look at a previous edition of a book you've written you've written and you thought oh my god i said that and that's all that's recorded for posterity and it's wrong (laughs) and uh i don't know maybe i'm the only author that that 
realizes he's wrong and <laughs> occasionally needs that's what we do when we do these third editions uh, we're doing the third edition of practical programming right now and as I read through the second edition that last year I thought was just fine I look through the I look through as I rewrite the manuscript and I'm going oh my god <laughs> I said that <laughs> it's, in it's wrong so anyway, here we are straying, straying around again. So you read the book and uh, I didn't, became I didn't. a nut swinger and all this other stuff. But that's right. That's let's get that out of the way. And <laughs> that's right. <laughs> let's get it out of the way. And then I stopped thinking for myself. You stopped thinking for yourself, book, and yes. you drank the Kool Aid and all this other shit. And and uh, and as a result of your subservience, you were promoted to a position of authority in the. Uh, in the no doubt religious-like hierarchy of the Asgard company. That's correct. Yeah. I uh, yeah. I pray five times daily towards Wichita Falls. Oh yes, oh yes. There's, there's <laughs> little knee prints in your yard, <laughs> headed east, I guess. So, uh, so I uh, anyway. The, I read uh, I read your book, and I actually found out about CrossFit through you, uh, and I wound up moving to the west coast to get a job as a geologist and uh, I started working out at CrossFit Oakland and maybe a year into that I went to your seminar that was done with CrossFit in Reno uh, and you took mm. one look at me and you're like you need to put on some weight boy and uh, so I did I thought you know I'd read your book and I, uh, I had watched some of your videos and I thought, you know, I was real interested in coming to train with you. And back in 2008, when I did that, I think it was March 2008, uh, something really just kind of clicked. Your, your presentation of the material was unlike anything I'd come across. And uh, I, I was convinced and I was like, I'm going to give this a try. Uh, so and I, when I walked in the door there, I think I was 172 pounds at six foot two. I was you know, eating the zone diet. In fact, I brought my fucking food with me. Uh, and you you know. ate almonds. Yes. Yes. Right. Uh, and, uh, <sighs> I went home and I started squatting. I started squatting, uh, three times a week, adding weight to the bar, eating a lot of food, drinking a lot of milk. Uh, and I went through my novice progression and I ran into, some, there was, I didn't have any coaching really, aside from going to that, uh, going to that uh, seminar, uh, you know, I, I was at a CrossFit gym and they did CrossFit and they were, they actually allowed me to work on my, my strength stuff on my own, but I was working on it on my own. That was at Mike Minium's place? Yep, Mike Minium's at CrossFit. <coughs> Mike's a good guy. He really he's is. A, he's a good guy. Got nothing but respect for Mike. So you were there and uh, uh, got big, got mm -hmm. strong, mm -hmm. and I don't know about when strong, did you start? Strong. Well, stronger. When yeah. did you start coaching people in this method? Was it during that period of time? Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, two thousand eight. I was doing this, and I I would bounce back and forth a little bit between doing strength stuff and doing some CrossFit. And then in two thousand nine, uh, I really decided that you know I wanted to I wanted to make a, a bigger go of this. So so I I had probably gotten up to like two hundred pounds before. And so I put on, you know, about 30 pounds and then I really went after it again and got up to probably about 220 doing it again and really tapped out the end of my novice progression. And by that point I had gotten significantly larger and 
my lifts had gotten better and I could actually do the lifts reasonably well and people, I started helping people uh, do it as well. Uh, and that's how it got its start. So this was before any formal uh, coaching education that you had that you had come across. Correct, correct. I mean, I, I, had, I had done... And, and, and really we find that that's, that's always the case. And it's just a natural progression from being the stronger guy in the gym to people seeing that you're the stronger guy in the gym and asking you why. Mm-hmm. Now, this happens in every gym all the way across the country, mm-hmm. right? And the stronger guy gets looked up to as the guy that knows what he's talking about. And maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just a big dumbass that is strong naturally and doesn't know what to tell anybody. Maybe he does know what he's talking about. But nonetheless, anybody in that position gets looked up to as a, as, a, as a source of information. What is the difference between your situation and that of everybody in the country looking up to the big guy in the gym? I think. How did you know what to tell people that was more effective than the big stupid guy? Well, you had very conveniently written a whole bunch of stuff down. Uh, by that point, the second edition of Starting Strength was out. And, you know, I'd, I'd already been through your seminar. So I had some, I had some exposure to the ideas that kind of underlie starting strength and had been able to apply them. And while they're actually, you know, they're fairly simple, uh, they're pretty powerful and they make a lot of sense. So when people would come up and ask me questions, I would have answers that sounded reasonable and that weren't just... This feels good for me. This is the way we do it. Yeah. This is the way I did it. Yeah. So this is the way it's done. Well, coach, why? One of the... Well, don't ask me. <laughs> don't ask me why. Just do what I tell you to do. One I've the... never been satisfied with that kind of thing, and I don't want any of our people to be that way either. Our primary consideration for years and years since we've been doing this since 2006, has been to be able to answer the important questions. And the most important question a coach will ever be asked is why Mm -hmm. do you want me to do it this way? And there, there must be a logical explanation. There must be something you can tell them to explain to them why you're telling them what to do instead of just saying, well, because that's the way we do it. That's inadequate. That's inadequate. No one should settle for that as an explanation. That reminds me of the assistant principal in high school. <laughs> because I said so. That's you know, that's offensive. And it's and it's and I want us all to operate at a higher level than that. So after your experience at at, at the gym helping people that just came up to you, you know, and I and I understand you had been actually teaching movement for quite some time prior to that. When did you decide to formalize all of this stuff? I wanted to go and do your seminar again. Uh, and right about this time, it was uh, coming up to the end of 2009, 2010. And that's when you had decided to go off on your own under the Starting Strength brand and uh, start doing your own seminars. So when I saw that uh, and I saw one of the seminars in happening in Wichita Falls, I was like, I want to do that. And the coaching certificate that came with it uh, was kind of uh, an incentive to do so. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, uh, 
So that's the that's the formal process of obtaining the credential that you went through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have changed the program quite a bit since 2010. Correct. Um, what do you think the primary changes have been in the in the in our curriculum and in our approach to evaluating a person's competence? There's been some refinements in how you look at the movements. You've refined some of the physics and some of the biomechanics behind it. Uh, you've also changed um, the press quite a bit. Uh, yeah, the press movement we just revamped last year, and it's a completely it's a completely different way to teach the movement, and it works about five times easier than the mm-hmm. previous ways we were we were teaching it before. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's I'm real happy with how that's worked. And just as as you've been doing this, as you've been kind of analyzing the lifts further and analyzing how to teach the lifts further. You've also been developing kind of, and you know, along, along with the staff, figuring out better ways to teach, better ways to be present on the platform and how to impart the information, better ways to cue the lifts, things that, you know, wind up working. So there's just been kind of an increase in rigor, both as far as the analysis of the movement, how the movement's taught and what kind of outcomes result from that. And I think that... Uh... As far as our presence in the industry is concerned, we are the only, the only certification, the only, the only seminar and the only certification that specifically deals with the five basic barbell exercises mm-hmm. and spends all 25 hours of the long, hard weekend teaching how and why to teach these five movements the way we teach them. And we refined it, we constantly update, we constantly change. Every seminar is a little different than the previous one. We learn. As we learn, we improve. And it's just the same. It's it's exactly the same thing that's what's happened to you as a coach over the past three years. Another another thing that's been very valuable is actually your website and forum. Uh, I've gotten to spend way too much time on there, but one of the things that happened and that you you put on there, people would submit their form checks. So I got to watch lots and lots of people squat. In addition to the people that I would actually be seeing in the gym, I got to watch lots of videos of people squatting. And that was, that was another part uh, of becoming a coach was just... I enjoyed this stuff. I enjoyed reading about it and looking at other people moving and thinking about how they needed to to fix their fix their things to better conform to you know what a low bar back squat should look like, or a press or a deadlift or a clean. How many people are you coaching actively right now? It's variable. I have uh, a number of personal training clients that. Uh, come with me regularly. I coach a bunch of people through your through your seminars. I do a bunch of camps on my own through the Starting Strength brand. So I don't know how many of those do you count at any one time. I'm not sure. Well, tell me about your power lifter. How's she done? Ah, uh, I have a, a woman who I've coached um, who recently placed fifth in the USAPL Raw Nationals and who I am currently uh, actually working on an article about, both about her training and how we use the Texas method with her to prepare her for the USAPL meet. And she did, she did really, really well. We worked, uh, she, 
I think it was in February of 2013, uh, lifted down in Southern California to USAPL meet to uh, qualify for the Raw Nationals. And then after that, she was really excited about it. And we essentially laid out a plan over the next like 21 weeks that would lead her up to Raw Nationals. And uh, she literally essentially didn't miss a workout over those 21 mm -hmm. weeks and made some serious improvements and worked really hard. And I think she's a 114-pound lifter. Is that 52-kilo class, I think? Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think she, she weighed in at like 111 or 112 pounds. And let me see if I can remember the number. She squatted 264 pounds. She bench-pressed 120 pounds. And she deadlifted... Is it 264 or 259? I can't remember. Uh, I may be, mm -hmm. if, anything, if anything, I'm a little bit shy on her deadlift, but uh, she's done real, real well. Uh, so isn't it fascinating that the process of getting strong actually applies to powerlifting? Amazing. It's a fascinating, fascinating revelation. Yeah, although, you know, at various meets she's gone to, people are yelling, look up, look up. There's all sorts of oh, interesting God, things. Oh, God, <laughs> So, anyway, uh, Tom, what uh, what do you think has, has contributed to your success as a coach? I've watched you develop a platform presence over the past three years we've been using you as staff. And, uh, in fact, Tom and our other... Uh, Staff member Jordan Feigenbaum, uh, the beard Jew, are, uh, <laughs> oh, are gonna, taking... You're going to get in trouble for that. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. I know yeah. Immediately, the you know, anti-Semitic. So, like, it's his, it's his idea, not mine. They're going to be taking the seminar and, and conducting the seminar with me as a passive observer in Seattle uh, up the upcoming seminar at the in the what is it, the third weekend it's in, in yeah. October yeah. in Seattle. And uh, uh, getting prepared to have these people run a second team for us. And I'm completely confident in Tom's ability to lead this thing. And uh, uh, I've watched him develop as a, as a platform coach over the past three years. And I just, when, when Tom has a platform, I don't even have to go over there. And uh, he's as good as I am at this. And uh, well, I, I don't the, think that's true. But well, I, I, what the hell do you know? And, <laughs> and the uh, you know, it's it's really an amazing transformation. Uh, the the most important thing I see that you do now that you did not do previously is that you are in command of the platform. You're assertive. You're in control. You are confident in the information and confident in the way it should be delivered. You run the, the, we evaluate both lifters and coaches on the platform. You know when to stay out of the way of the coach. You know when to take over. You've just got a finesse on the thing that is masterful. And Thank you. if I had, uh, if I was going to hire somebody to coach me, it'd be you. And, uh, Thank you. and I think that if anybody on the West coast has got an opportunity to, to uh, engage Tom Campitelli as a as a personal trainer or as a coach for uh, competition or just personal development, that they're fools, fools, I say, <laughs> if they don't call you. 
what is your phone number? Where do you want to be contacted? Uh, you can call me at uh, 415. I don't do that because some jackass will call. Uh-oh. Get a hold of Tom on the internet. <laughs> it's it's easy to find me on the starting strength boards. Uh, find Tom on the board. Look him up. Send him a personal message on the board. Uh, his email address is laying around here someplace. And uh, you'll find it. You want uh, one more thing? Yeah, I, I wanted to... We just touched on earlier, you know, people asking... Uh, what you know? What do you what do you do when people say why? And I think one of the kind of cool things that you've done and developed with the whole starting strength model and method is you did an analysis from first principles using essentially anatomy and biomechanics and physics, and looked at the looked at the lifts and why they would be done as they are and why they work different muscle groups as they are and what winds up being you know. Essentially, the the most effective way of doing the lifts to generate you know strength and power. And so when you've got when you've got something that's a little bit beyond just looking at what successful lifters do and essentially trying to work backwards versus starting from first principles and saying this is how the muscles move the skeleton and this is how the bar needs to be moved through space. I think that winds up developing a, a pretty powerful model that you can then build off of. And then when you need to explain this stuff, it's not just this is how Kurt Karwaski squatted. You know, you can say, well, the bar needs to be over the middle of the foot, you know, and the bar moving in a straight line is going to be the most efficient way to do it. And here's why. Yeah. Yeah. Not just because we said so, but because here's why. And then, and then just to, to bring around like kind of developing, developing yourself as a coach and developing uh, an eye for these things, obviously, you know, you need, to, you need to be familiar with the material. You need to actually do the stuff. You need to have done it yourself and had some success doing it. Uh, yes. That's an, that's an important component of it. And I, don't, I don't think you had to have been an 800 squatter. No, no. In fact, I think it's probably helpful... If you actually lacked the talent to be an 800 squatter. I would agree. Because, and this is a common observation, extremely, extremely talented athletes are always poor coaches. Almost always. Let's leave a couple of exceptions, but almost always poor coaches. Because Because of the ease of acquisition, a very, very talented athlete does not learn the things that a mediocre athlete learns as he rises to a moderate level of success. And uh, that is part of being able to coach, knowing what being under the bar is like. People with no experience in that cannot coach. People for whom it was extremely, extremely easy aren't good at it either. It's us poor schmoes in the middle that are, you know, probably the most useful to to people that to uh, help them uh, achieve a modicum of success, and uh, I think that uh, you embody that quite well, Tom. Thank We're you. proud to have you with us. I'm proud to be here. Thank Thanks you. for uh, joining us uh, today. This is uh, podcast number seven on the Starting Strength Channel, and we appreciate, as always, you listening. Talk to you soon. Bye.